Hello, everyone. This is Bob Panos of American Digital, Vice President of Sales and Professional Services. Today, we're going to talk about the SAP RISE program. And with me, I have two subject matter experts on the topic. Jim, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Jim Butcher. I'm a senior SAP solutions executive here at American Digital and uh, chief technologist. Uh, I have a long background, 20 plus years in SAP and looking forward to this uh, awesome discussion. How are we doing, everyone? My name is Michael Johnson. I am the director of SAP Solutions here at American Digital, and I've spent almost 15 years in the SAP space helping customers on their journey from one technology platform and service to another. MJ, why don't you describe the SAP Rise program for our listeners? Yeah. So SAP Rise is a new offering that SAP announced this year, early in 2021, um, which is essentially a one offer, one price platform. So what they're doing is they're bundling all their products into one solution with a single price and uh, a single platform. So think of it as a solution as a service or platform as a service. Got it. So here's how I want to carve it up. Let's take it from three different perspectives. So I'm thinking, you know, the first and foremost, SAP's perspective, why are they doing this? What benefits to SAP would there be to implement a program like this? Second would be from a partner perspective, you know, from an American Digitals and other SAP partners, you know, um, pros and cons. And then lastly, I'd like to take it from the customer perspective. Does this benefit the customer? Is it neutral? Is it, do we see it as negative and discuss it that way? So first and foremost, let's take it from the SAP perspective. My thoughts are based on what I know about this program, SAP is looking to capture more cloud revenue, right? So from their perspective, they're thinking, okay, we got to compete with all the other providers and capture cloud revenue or shareholders, you know, want to see that type of uh, move on our part. And to me, you know, it has implications to these other two groups that we're going to talk about in a second. So Jim, I'll start with you. Why don't you give me your perspective from, from an SAP point of view. Why do you think they are doing this? I think that uh, SAP is looking at the long game and where things are going in the market. But I want to I make sure that we identify a term here first because it's being used in a different way than you might otherwise be used to. So cloud revenue to SAP to them means subscription revenue, both software and infrastructure. So to everybody else, cloud usually means infrastructure. So so hold on. So by infrastructure, you mean the hyperscalers. Traditionally, a customer might you know buy their own hardware, manage it on their own, and or maybe go to a service provider to host that hardware, private cloud like we provide to our clients. Yeah. But in SAP's case, they're going to the hyperscalers, right? They, they are making a big push to the hyperscalers, but the RISE program actually allows the customer to choose any of those options for, quote, cloud. Got so it. whether it's on-premise, whether it's private cloud hosted by a partner, called Nicolo is a common term, or it's actually in public cloud or any combination thereof, that constitutes what SAP is just going to call infrastructure. And as a result, the under the cloud bundle for S4. So they're doing this so that they can categorize all that revenue, the subscription for SAP and essentially the subscription for the hardware 
uh, as cloud. Right. It has a certain term. These are your payment terms. It's perhaps billed monthly or uh, annually. And as a result, three to I think seven years was the highest maximum term under this type of new rise contract. Okay. MJ, so what's your perspective on this program? What, I mean, you know, from an SAP point of view, what, what, you know, is that, is it to just to capture that cloud revenue or are there other factors that you see? Yeah, Bob, I think you nailed it with the cloud revenue. That's obviously very important from a shareholder perspective and from being a company on the forefront of, of technology advancement, right? But I think there's a couple other things too, maybe not primary drivers, but important secondary drivers that SAP is considering as well. First and foremost would be a customer experience side. SAP has tried in the past to do a number of different cloud type offerings, um, HANA Enterprise Cloud being one, for example, that is similar to what the RISE program is trying to accomplish in terms of creating a place, a one-stop shop for SAP services, SAP hosting, and um, licensing to be a bundle. But I think they identified that they could do better. And that's one of the things I think the RISE program is trying to do is create a better customer experience because it's also creating not just the subscription or the infrastructure home. It's also creating um, services and value-added business driving services, transformation of services to help customers get to S4HANA and the newer technologies as well. So so hold on. So what's the difference between HEC and RISE? To me, it doesn't sound like as much... Different. That's a great question. <laughs> um, there is some differences. Fundamentally, it's conceptually the same, right? From a customer contract perspective, meaning the customer would deal directly with SAP for application, platform, infrastructure, and support for those. But the difference with Rise is there's additional functionality, there's additional um, support, there's additional business transformation tools, analytical tools, and now there's more of a flexibility for the customer too in terms of where their their infrastructure may live. Previously, Heck was uh, an SAP data center, and now Rise could potentially live in the hyperscalers, could potentially live on premise or or even in a, a private managed cloud. I think one of the things that uh, helps put things in perspective too is SAP has an interest in. Uh, standardizing the experience for customers too. They start out with just saying, we're a software company. We don't touch the database. Our partners can take care of that. Well, that also meant that they had to support all of those various databases and all those OS platforms on different hardware and so forth. So what SAP is doing is moving down the stack. They came to HANA and we all know that eventually you will get to HANA if you continue running SAP. The question is when, not if, right? right. right? But there's also been all of this expansion of where you could run stuff, what platforms you run on, different hardware again. And SAP wants to standardize that not only support model, but also capture that revenue. If I'm going to be responsible for it, I want to have the revenue too, right? Because my customers want HA, they want disaster recovery, they want different storage types, and customers are going to this cloud, the other cloud, on-prem. So SAP is saying, you know what? Not only do I not want to be threatened by another ERP or, or other SaaS solutions, I want to standardize what it is so that I can better support it and customers don't get frustrated with us. Okay. And I, I get that. I mean, you know, it's like a SaaS model, right? Software as a service model where you want to control every part of the customer experience. With If I'm SAP, that's absolutely what I want to do. Yeah, I th- I'm thinking mm-hmm. like a NetSuite experience, right? Where you go on yep. and... You know, it's just Oracle database behind the scenes and it's, it's you know, it's one seamless customer experience. So, 
you know, the difference there though is that NetSuite was written from the beginning to run in the cloud. Right, right. You know, an SAP, you know, seems to me like it's a, it's a much more customizable, different industries. It's enough that NetSuite isn't or, uh, any other ERP or SaaS product like that. But it seems to me that, you know, that was kind of the ecosystem that SAP built was this, you know, partners can help customize it and customers have choice. Now SAP's trying to, you know, rein everybody in a little bit, right? And control that. So yep. the and first I, go ahead. I think too, one of the the reasons why SAP is looking to quote unquote rein in is to accelerate the adoption of S4 HANA too, right? You know, when we think about when S4 HANA was rolled out in 2015 and the adoption between then and now, six years later, you know, I think that it wasn't as quick as SAP had hoped. And so, you know, this is another way to help accelerate customers over to that platform. Yeah. And that makes sense because I think American Digital being in the SAP services business, you know, we want to see customers and we want to help customers get to to HANA S4 or Sweet on HANA. To me, that's one of our top goals, right? Is to help them make that journey. And that's where we derive a good portion of our services revenues is by helping them do that. So, you know, that's, I think it's in everyone's interest. The other question I have, you know, so if I'm SAP, you know, and I'm trying to control the the whole stack, What's the SLA that they're looking to give the client? You know, what, what, you know, if, if I'm going to host everything, what am I proposing is, you know, the, the SLA for that? Uh, 99.7%. So thinking about what an SLA does and who's responsible for what, one of the challenges with that is SAP has to go with the lowest common denominator. So it's infrastructure you don't control, especially if it's, say, on-prem with a customer or in a private cloud. And then if you have it in a public cloud, sure, you can have service agreements with whoever that public cloud provider is, right? But I'm lacking control then, right? If I'm if I'm the customer, now I'm getting into the customer perspective <laughs> a bit, and I'll get into the partner one in a minute here. But, you know, that to me, you know, it limits me, right? I mean, I'm, I'm beholding to... SAP and the hyperscalers or whoever's hosting me, right? I lack control from a customer perspective. 99.7, if I do the quick math, it's about a, a, a day and two hours of unplanned downtime. Now, I did the math before, of course, but because <laughs> um, I knew that number. And I, I was curious when I saw that because it looked like a large amount of unplanned downtime from an SLA perspective, right? I mean, a day and a couple hours is not anything to sneeze at. I mean, that's it's a lot of time. So, you know... You can get a better SLA okay. by paying more, right? uh, Okay. So, so if I'm SAP or if I'm a customer, SAP is coming in and they're giving me a proposal. I'm guessing it's going to be around this 99.7, right. you know... That's our baseline, yep. That's the baseline SLA. Look for it. And know whether or not that's something your business can live with. All right. Let's come back to that. Okay. Because right. that's important perspective. Because I can see we work a lot with IT leaders, right? You know, our, with our customers, right? So my thought is SAP goes to talk to a line of business person, CFO maybe, right? Or one of the, the business unit leader in the organization. They're not necessarily going to say, oh, what's the uptime? commitment, right? So these are these are things that customers I would think would want to hear, right? All right. Yep. So now let's take it from our perspective from you know and other partners like ourselves, ones that focus uh, on, you know, AMS basis, 
infrastructure, management of the infrastructure, and hosting, right? Because that's a, other than AMS, it sounds like SAP is going to control that part of the stack and provide that as a as a service to the client as part of this RISE program, correct? Yes. So think infrastructure, technical application management, and there's kind of a dotted line in the basis area. So some SAP mandatory because they have a standard way of doing things, but they also realize that there's going to be both kind of environmental or business knowledge and customer operational concern and wants for having their own basis, whether they supply it or it comes in through a partner like us. So MJ, maybe you take this question. So why the move you think to the hyperscalers when they already had a partner ecosystem that was geared up to to support clients, right? It, to me, it doesn't seem like a quality thing, like a because I think partners like ourselves are you know applauded by our clients on the on the quality of service that we provide. And I know there's others out there that do a great job too. So, what do you think the move is? Why why move? It's almost like we got traded up, you know, like we were the wife, right? You know, for 20 years and now they they went to the to the younger wife, right? And the hyperscalers to me is the kind of the shiny new toy, if you will, right? That's kind of how I see it. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you're not totally wrong. Um, first, let me set the stage. I've heard this step before. I don't know how accurate it is, but um, SAP partner ecosystem is something like 20,000 partners, right? And, and those take the flavor of a number of different things. So I think what SAP is trying to accomplish with that partner ecosystem change with the RISE program is the same type of thing they're trying to accomplish with the customer simplification, right? They have this very strong, very vast ecosystem of partners um, that are more than capable of providing things. But from an SAP management perspective, simplification is the easy answer, right? Um, another thing to look at too is financially. You know, um, There's probably financial implications and incentives you know to simplify and consolidate and you know for example with the hyperscalers hosting a number of different platforms and taking a larger slice of that pie as opposed to breaking it up into individual pieces at different um you know hosting partners or, or different um infrastructure partners so i think those are two big driving factors yeah and i get that right i mean that that makes complete sense but you do it to the detriment of a partner ecosystem that's been built over i don't know almost 30 years, right? Yep. And so, you know, to me that the RISE program makes complete sense. You know, like I said, from if you're SAP, I get it, right? But what you're trading off are, you know, the the experience that all these cust or all these partners like ourselves have around supporting SAP. And I think, you know, you lose sight of that because there's some important implications of running SAP, designing an environment for a client and then running it subsequently, right? Mm -hmm. You know, high availability is a perfect example. If I'm a business unit leader, if I'm a CFO and SAP comes to me with some great numbers, you're like, wow, those are really uh, um, good numbers, you know, from a, from a monthly all-in perspective, right? Very competitive maybe with what I pay today. But the trade-off to me seems... That what they may have today on-prem, hosted somewhere by someone else, is a highly available environment that they're comparing, you know, what I might call a not-so-highly-available environment, right? And so, there's a cost associated that we know about to run an environment in a highly available, redundant fashion, right? That is one of the areas that partners like ourselves understand immensely, I think. Yep. And um, it, it might be lost 
you know, if it's not talked about or discussed, you know, in those conversations that we may not be privy to, right? I think many of our clients that we're already working with, where we talk about Rise, you know, this is one of the things we're bringing up is, you know, you got to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. To me, that's one of the kind of biggest areas of concern I have is this designing of the environment so that it runs properly. And, you know, the unknown costs that the customer might incur um, if they aren't aware uh, that, you know, you might have something today that you're, when you trade in, you're not going to be getting. I mean, am I off base? No, I think that there's uh, another important point to distinguish here too. SAP is, is has evolved from SAP software to now I have a database in the game and now I'm making it the only database. And now I'm also going to be providing a standard package if you go into the RISE program with what infrastructure you run on, how things are designed, and you got to fit within our box. In a lot of cases, that's good because a lot of customers struggle with that if they don't have a partner you know, like us helping them with it. Some customers do it great. And, you know, that's fine. But now it's SAP's responsibility. What hopefully will evolve is how things went with heck and maybe not the the greatest way, because back then SAP would have a large partner. I'm going to leave names out of it, but they would design a solution, give them a price. SAP would provide a, a markup on top of it, assume account responsibility, but they never really solved the direct communication and uh, responsiveness and service that it takes because you're a service provider now, not just a software provider. Yeah, I think you hit a lot of points there, Jim. One of the things I wanted to highlight was that personal touch that I'm a little afraid might get lost um, with the consolidation and simplification that SAP is doing. You know, as Jim's example said, when you're trying to create a standard solution, from SAP's perspective, that's great, right? It's easier to manage. But from a customer perspective and ultimately from a partner perspective, you know, Every organization is different. Everyone has their uniquenesses that you kind of lose some of those things and you may lose some of those partner relationships that the customer had um, that was able to really make your SAP environment successful. I think there's an important... uh, The second point I was going to make was the difference between theory and practice. In theory, SAP wants to not only provide great experience and great savings and so forth, but they're also limited to only SAP applications and infrastructure. SAP doesn't live alone. So anything that is not SAP does not get covered under that RISE contract, which means SAP has a number of bolt-ons and, you know, your third-party application, your homegrown applications and infrastructure. So that's a place and what SAP is calling opportunity for partners like us and the customer to come up with our own way of addressing those. They could sit side by side in the same place just not managed and, and owned by and you know paid to SAP for con- managing that infrastructure and those applications. Got it. So so there's still opportunity for us in that regard, right? Where the non SAP components uh, we can still manage in a private cloud or on prem for the client. I hear you when when you're you're saying you know is that in hack as an example was somewhat disjointed. You know, and if again if I'm SAP. I want to try to corral that. I want to control that customer experience and communication. Because from what I recall, yeah, it was multiple partners that would be behind the scenes that SAP would just kind of be marking up, right? So, you know, get that revenue through the HEC program. But to me, it was, I think, at least what we heard from some of our clients that that moved out of HEC was, uh, you know, the customer experience was disjointed, right? 
And, and that explains, you know, to me why they would want to implement a program like Rise. I just think, you know, from a partner perspective, you know, maybe it's an overcorrection, right? You know, in terms of control, yeah. um, uh, as opposed to a gradual thing. But we'll see. We'll see how it pans out, you know, for us. And, and I know they want us, what I've heard is they want us to move upstream, right, into more more application, AMS type services, management of the, of the application layer. And that makes sense too, as because we're doing that more and more, um, going up into the application stack, because, you know, there is, a, a, I think, a gap there and uh, potential for revenue. So any final thoughts on from a partner perspective before we move on to the customer perspective? This is not a, this is not a required thing yet. It was a program that started outside of the U.S. and is now coming to the U.S. Uh, it's only applicable for customers that have that are either uh, new and, as a result, have high incentives to go to S4 as the new SAP platform of the future through 2040, or for customers who existing customers running ECC and not only want to go to S4, but they want a kind of a bundled approach and, you know, maybe convert their perpetual licenses to subscription license or SIP is called cloud licenses. Right. And then what else can I get with that? So simplification. One example that is where they were paying perpetual license before and annual support that would all be bundled together in the new rise model. Got it. All right. So customer perspective, you know, at the end of the day, that's the most important one. We're all looking to make our customers happy, right? When it comes to providing a service, providing a solution. And I know SAP's, you know, uh, that's probably their number one goal is to, you know, other than, you know, getting revenue, cloud revenue now is (laughs) to make their clients happy, right? Because they want to keep them. So if I'm a customer, what what are some of the things, and we talked about a couple of these things already. What are a couple of things that I need to think about when I'm, you know, considering Going, you know, and into the rise program, you know, there's, there's, to me, there's several important factors. So MJ, take us through maybe your top two that you think. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. To, to your point, Bob, there is a lot of things that customers need to consider. Um, first and foremost, I would think that they need to consider what their S4 or rather their SAP journey for their organization is going to look like over the next couple of years. Um, you know, what are some of the driving factors? Are they looking for business process improvements? Are they looking to uh, maybe get out of the data center business? You know, what are some um, both business and IT drivers um, to see if that aligns with what the RISE program could offer? I think that's really important. So, so to clarify, you know, when they're thinking about their journey, is it, you know, am I going to full blown S4 or am I going to do sweet on Han? Is that a choice in Rise still? Can I still um, go into the Rise program and maybe I don't want to go to S4 yet? Can I just go to Hana, sweet on Hana? <laughs> do we know that? That's where things get a little bit muddy. Right. Um, yes, almost anything is possible. Um, but, you know, SAP's direction and, and the simplification of this, the whole overarching theme of Rise is to, to get SAP customers to a specific endpoint, which is ultimately S4. Got it. So okay. getting over to Sweet on HANA could be a step in the S4 journey. And that maybe means that Rise could be an option. Got it. Okay. Give me another one. Um, 
I, I think the way you're looking from a budgetary perspective on how you want to consume software, application, infrastructure, um, you know, any sort of either IT or business budgeting is important too. Uh, one of the things Arise does is simplifies things from a paperwork perspective. You're now getting one contract, one bill. But on the other side of it, what may complicate things is it's one bill. It's one line item. Now you can't necessarily break out things like infrastructure, or you can't break out software costs, uh, or you can't break out support services. So things like CapEx versus OpEx and how those are divided into different buckets in your organization may be important. So, you know, because we get asked all the time to break up, you know, if we're providing a service and, you know, we're categorizing it as OpEx, let's say, because it is truly a one bundled price service, we still get asked to say, okay, what portion of that is infrastructure? What portion of that might be software and service, uh, data center hosting, et cetera? I'm going to guess SAP is not necessarily going to you know, pick that apart for the client. Like, So how much of that is hyperscaler costs? How much of that is SAP subscription. Uh, am I wrong there? And, and if you think about it too, think about how a traditional organization is set up, right? Even from an IT level, right? There's usually different divisions. So um, someone is in charge of infrastructure and they have their own budgeting, right? Um, someone is in charge of maybe operations. From an executive level, maybe Rise looks like a great program because it is simplification. It is one solution. It is one line item. But think about how organizations may need to have to change or adjust the way they think about how they consume products and budget for things because of the Rise program. Well, I, and I know a lot of you know companies out there are moving to these you know subscription based. We we do the same thing, right? I mean, Office three sixty five is you know I think just a good example. It's a simple example of email and file sharing um, and collaboration works great, right? Uh, we pay one price per user and it's pretty straightforward. You can add as you need. But to me, you know, you get up into a software like SAP, it gets a lot more complex, right? And that, and to your point, it's going to be a big shift for clients as they think about all the components that go into all the different budgeting. Uh, to me, that it's going to be again, if I'm, you know, if I'm an IT person, you know, I have my budget, you know, how much am I paying. And, and to me, you know, the hyperscalers, it's the hyperscalers, I think, because we are competing with them and working with them, you know, this environment of co-opetition, if exactly. you will, right? <laughs> uh, that word, co-opetition. And so what I've seen, and I think the two of you have seen, is that if I'm a business unit leader at a company or I'm a CFO, the desire to go to one of these hyperscalers is high because it's really easy, right? I can start up an instant right now of a virtual machine or even SAP for that matter. It's real easy. It's hitting the easy button. But you do that at, you know, uh, the expense of cost to the business because it, you know, from by our calculations and a lot of companies and, you know, folks listening and watching this can can do their own research. But it's more expensive to go to one of these hyperscalers than it is to host it on-prem or host it in a private cloud. To me, the reason, the main reason that companies are considering hyperscalers today is because of the speed at which I can just start up something, right? So I'm trading that speed 
for long-term higher costs. I mean, is that... Can I give you an example? Yeah, go ahead. I, I was actually you. talking with uh, a customer about a week and a half ago. They had recently moved their ECC landscape over to a hyperscaler about two, two and a half years ago. And, you know, everything's running smooth, great environment, happy with the move and all that. And recently, the organization went through some executive changes. And part of the new executive team wanted to look at costs all over the organization. And when they dug into IT... And specifically SAP, they realized that their SAP costs went up about 170% from what they originally started paying. And that's not uncommon. Um, the reason being because you know their environment wasn't necessarily monitored and managed in the correct way. So they were spinning up instances to your point of having ease of access, but forgetting to shut them down. And you know when, when run rates rise up and costs rise up and those sort of things that not properly managed can be a very slippery slope. So uh, to me, that's something that'll creep up on you, right? Is, is Are these costs that you may not be prepared for or be budgeting for because you're used to operating your environment one way and now you're going into kind of a new way. And there is, you know, a time period at which you, you have to kind of see how things are going, right? And you got to monitor it, but then it gets away from you, I think, Right. That's why you hear about these stories of, of companies going to hyperscalers and then having, you know, this hyperscaler shock of the cost that that when they really look at their bill, it's like looking at your own credit card bill. You know, you, you look at it, and you're like, where the heck did I spend the X amount of money? You know, you look at every line and yeah, there it is. OK. And, you know, storage, extra management, et cetera, that I can see. You know how that all those little changes that you you know you need you think are real easy you're hitting the easy button yep I need more of that need more of that need more of that and then you get your your bill from SAP in this case you know and it's a lot more than you expected and that's where I think some of the partner touch you know may get lost in the mix um, with the oversimplification of things because a good partner someone like American Digital you know um, whether it be you know, no matter the platform environments is, you know, going to be involved more on a daily basis and understand your environment and needs and be able to hopefully keep track of some of those things to hedge some of that or cut some of those costs off. So I know, happen. and that's a great point because I know guys like Jim, you know, you ha are having a lot of those conversations and we have other technical people on the team, you know, that have those conversations with the client, right? That, and now we're not necessarily going to be in the room. SAP and the client talking about that experience and and all those you know little gotchas that they will need to look out for. Yeah. So you know before we kind of get in more of an open discussion around some of these topics, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, not being in the room. I, if I could give a customer a couple things to think about before they step in the room and, and close the door to everyone else, and they're just in there with SAP. Uh, SAP didn't go from a software creator. Because they're really a software implementer. They did it a few times with, you know, sometimes good, sometimes maybe not so great results. But SAP today is not a service provider. So I would ask the question of how are you going to go from being a software company to a services company? It's one thing to buy software, ship it, make it entitled, enabled versus now I got to take care of a customer's environment every day, 24 by 7. How are you going to make that switch? Well, the answer is they're not doing it themselves. They're going through a couple of big cost, uh, big partners so far that have SAP basis, infrastructure expertise, application management, those functional teams, development teams, 
all of these areas that that a business partners and or the customer are have historically been responsible for taking care of designing, implementing, testing, cutting over and managing and upgrading and so forth. Now, SAP is going to be responsible, but it's not going to be SAP people necessarily. It's going to be a few of these big partners that have been vetted. And we are also in that running for that as well. Right. Right. But it's going to be those vetted folks that get access to all of the SAP backend support systems and so forth to be able to look at customer messages and the inside version of notes and so on and so forth. Right. So what kind of provision and what kind of safeguards are you going to put in place for me as a customer, SAP, if I go with this program? Right. And for that matter, is there something you would like from SAP to kind of be a in this pilot program, is there an incentive? Do I get, you know, better executive access? Do I get discounts? Do I get additional services for planning or support or whatever the case is? Yeah, just from my perspective, you know, being in this industry thirty years You're almost. Date yourself now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, thirty is it's more than I've been in the industry, but it's you know it's close. But you know, just big companies have, I think, a hard time providing that type of experience. Now, I, I think, you know, of any company, SAP is potentially capable of it. But, you know, I haven't seen a large company do a good job of that. They do a great job of making, you know, business software, which, you know, of course, you know, we've kind of bet part of our business on ourselves, right? Because we focus on SAP services. We've gotten in and into this business because it's a great ecosystem. They created you know, some some wonderful uh, applications that customers gravitate towards and use. And, you know, we've gotten into this business. But the thing that, you know, again, that concerns me is a large organization trying to, you know, offer up service, uh, a service experience down the, from a large company down to a small company. That That's going to be a tough challenge, I think. You know, so if I'm a customer and I'm going into this, you know, just go in with your eyes wide open. Yep. You know, and I'm not saying that SAP doesn't want partners like ourselves in the room, you know, in those conversations. Uh, I think it behooves customers to have, you know, their partners that they've had uh, uh, work with a, a long time in their, you know, whether they're, you know, application or basis uh, focused or infrastructure focused. I think there's some questions that need to be asked, you know, during that whole RISE program discussion, you know, and so... Kind of, you know, the tail end of this discussion, you know, I, I really want to talk about some of those considerations. So I'm a customer and, you know, maybe I have partners I've worked with, maybe I don't. But what are some of those questions I'm going to ask, you know, the SAP? To me, one of the first, because I'm a, you know, infrastructure person historically, it's around the architecture of the environment and the availability of the environment. You know, I can tell you from our perspective, American Digital and our clients that we have, our uptime numbers, because of the work we put in up front to design, you know, an environment. And you guys know this, you're part of the team, right? But, you know, for the folks out there that are going to be watching or listening to this, you know, th there's a lot of effort that goes into that design process. And our goal is not 99.7% uptime. Our goal is 99.999% uptime, right? Whatever that equates to. I'm not going to do the math, <laughs> nor did I look it up prior to this. But I can tell you, it's, you know, in the minutes probably uh, per year of unplanned downtime. And, you know, I think we've had a pretty darn good uptime record with our clients. And it's because of that 
design. You know, guys like David Shafet, who, you know, uh, helped design those SAP environments so that they are highly available. And processes too, right? It's not sure. just infrastructure, yeah. it's software configuration, it's operational processes, it's the whole stack built with HA and, and DR in mind, right? I can't leave out pieces, right? Whether SAP or not SAP, it's all got to be included. Right. And to me, that's one of the biggest considerations. I'm not saying SAP isn't doing that. I'm just saying those are things that, those are questions that need to be asked, right? During this process. That's not, you know, it's not just, oh, give me a good, you know, good price that may not include some of these features that I'm currently getting. You know, it's, hey, uh, what's your uptime guarantee, right? 99.7. What happens if it's not met? Depending upon the hyperscaler, they have different ways of, say, issuing a credit. But it, there's a little asterisk right there, too. It says you must have selected certain uh, configuration options, VM options, network options, HA options. And if you didn't meet all of these criteria, then you're not eligible for that credit. Well, the way I understand SAPs, the 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 actual customer of the hyperscalers, right? The, the large three. They're the ones that are contracting with those hyperscalers. So, you know, maybe they pass those credits on, maybe SAP, I, and I haven't seen any contract. I don't know if, have you guys seen any of these contracts yet? Uh, so not. we don't know what the penalties are or, right. or aren't. But let's assume there may be some in there. And we have those in our contracts as well. You know, they're, they're there to keep the service provider honest in a sense, right? To say, hey, look, you cannot drop the ball. And there's some shady service providers that bank on the fact they think that they're going to not meet those SLAs, right? Because it's not that big a hit. But from our perspective, I know we go into the contract with our clients, um, you know, with the goal of never, ever missing those SLAs, right? And that's why we put in a lot of design work ahead of time to make sure that that environment is going to run lights out for our client. I, one of the questions I'd ask as a customer is I've seen and heard like these big outages of name a hyperscaler. Sure. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it can be dramatic, right? It could be four, eight hours and affect tens of thousands of customers. So when you look at where is SAP going to carve out their kind of uh, their own section of a hyperscaler is that just for SAP does that have special really hardened and high security and all of those other provisions and does that require a premium I don't know well I'm going to guess it will because just knowing what goes into supporting SAP in a highly available fashion yeah I mean you're going to have to pay a premium for those you know, if you want a redundant environment, if you want a highly available environment, I would think, and, and a higher uh, SLA, right? So, but it's yet to be seen. Well, I guess, you know, as as we see the, the program roll out, I, I'm sure we'll hear about more um, of their, you know, uptime commitments. But yeah, to your point, the, the hyperscalers, I mean, there's been a lot of reported outages over the past, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, and I'm sure they've gotten better. They run great businesses. But, you know, when you have large organizations like that, that control, you know, what you do, that's the other th part of this. I mean, you know, if I have a, a business, you know, um, that cannot be down at a certain time of year, yeah, I, I don't know that, you know, an SAP or a hyperscaler running the your environment 
is going to necessarily, not that they don't care, I'm sure they care, but are they going to be able to meet an SLA during those, you know, business times when you need to be up as an organization? Whereas I think, you know, currently, you know, if a client is running with an American Digital or, you know, a similar partner running their SAP environment, you know, we understand their business requirements. We know that, you know, at the end of the quarter, they can't have downtime. We're on high alert, right? I just can't foresee that an SAP, a large organization like an SAP running on hyperscalers are going to be able to meet that demand. Am I wrong? No, I, I, the word that pops into my head is sterile. And this gets to one of my earlier points, right? The simplification of the RISE program and these hyperscalers with SAP conceptually makes a lot of sense and is great for certain aspects, but it also sterilizes some other aspects, some of the personal touches, some of the things that we talked about in the partner section of our conversation around maybe customers losing some of the personal touches to your point, Bob, of, of knowing your, your busy seasons, your cycles, or understanding what outside of SAP is on your IT roadmap or your organizational roadmap to then take into consideration when you're doing um, you know, upgrades or planned downtimes or those types of things. So I think that's an interesting point. When the customer can choose when I want to have that maintenance window, that's one thing, right? It's Maybe it's my infrastructure, so I can choose. When it goes to someone else controlling the infrastructure and doing application maintenance... Now, you may not be in control of that, or you might have very limited options. And they're going to say, we must have at least quarterly maintenance, for example. Right? So, the question is, with this program, will SAP give you the option to say, it could be either this time or, you know, we'll give you T plus three months, but we do need a maintenance window of X amount at least once every three, four months. Yeah. I mean, to me, these are the questions that the customers need to be asking of SAP, right? Because they know they're getting a certain level of service today. What is it going to, what's the experience going to look like? And ideally it's better, right? With, with SAP and the RISE program. But again, I'm skeptical. Sadly, I am, you know, like I said, of large companies being able to meet the needs of, you know, the smaller to medium sized clients, which are, our bread and butter, frankly, those are the, you know, that's where we're able to meet their needs and listen to them because larger companies, you know, just, I don't think have the bandwidth and to use the term, what was it? Sterile? Sterile, yeah. Sterile. I mean, it's, I, I, cause you know, when I'm a larger company, I have to have lots of processes in place and those processes make it more streamlined. So I'm more efficient and may all make sense. But then that means I'm also constrained. I can't go outside of that process. Whereas, you know, I can tell you from a services standpoint, you know, we do a lot of customizing for our clients, whether it's process customization, somebody wants to go outside the process. And it's because we know our clients, we know them very well. And we know the risk profile of, of making a decision to, to, you know, spin something up before, you know, we we get the official request, right? Because we, we have a relationship with the client. And I think that's part of, you know, the decision process if I'm a customer uh, is, you know, do I want the, uh, more of a, you know, and we'll call it a sterile, that's not a bad word, but it's really, I think, defining that relationship or do I want a more, you know, intimate relationship with a service provider, right? That's really, you know, to me, it's when you boil all this down, it's what am I looking for? And I'm not necessarily going to save money, right? It'll be, it'll be more controlled, 
but it will be more, I think, sterile. I think it's a great, great descriptor, you know, of where I think things are going. So the more standardized you get, the more sterile it can become. And one of the things that uh, came up recently was customers said, we didn't realize how much we were spending on storage with the hyperscaler because once we did it one way, because we happen to be provisioning a HANA database that needs higher IOPS and so forth and more capacity, we continued to give the same kind of storage, high IOPS, higher capacity, higher cost, every time we provision another system, even if it wasn't HANA. Sure. Instead of choosing something that was more practical and reasonable, rational for that application or smaller non-HANA database that could be lower IOPS, lower cost, saying, you know, the right capacity for the situation. So that's an easy slippery slope to say once we set it one way, did you really create the number of processes and are you checking on them before something well-intended can go, you know, not in, as intended? Yeah, correct. And, and you know, again, it, as you, in my view, when you start taking that away from the people in your organization that would normally keep track of those things, right? IT um, and some of the application people. And you you take that over. Again, if I'm SAP, I'm trying to take over some of those tasks, right? If not all of them, uh, you know, you don't have those watchdogs within your organization that are that are looking out for the organization. Do they even it, have a visibility to that? Right. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe they might. Yet. They might. There might be. They a, might still be figuring that out. Absolutely. So I think um, from my perspective, you really got to ask questions if you're a customer. You know, you've got to ask the hard questions of SAP, you know, in all these areas, right? What is my experience going to be like? So to me, that's what, that's my takeaway, you know, from, from this program and, and this discussion of, you know, looking at it from the different perspectives um, and the customer perspective being the most important is, man, just ask those questions. I don't know. So let's, the final thoughts before we. As end. with any SAP, um, you know, early adopt. If you're an if you're an early adopter for anything, SAP or otherwise, right? Just go in with eyes wide open. Early adopters of Hana knew that uh, Hana was a new database product put out, database platform management, data management platform product put out by SAP. Now there have been thirty years and more of uh, you know client server and uh, how do databases get become robust and HA and high performance and all that and. SAP had to come up to speed on that in a short number of years. That still didn't prevent some early adopters of HANA from experiencing outages, right? Affecting the whole business. But they had to be okay with the possibility that running this whole new suite on HANA back in, say, 2014, 15, so forth back then, it could go down. You could have unexpected consequences, right? And SAP is going to fix it, right? But as an early adopter of this program... Why are you going in? What are you getting out of it? How much risk are you willing to deal with, say, uh, lack of responsiveness or it's not fully baked and something has to maybe take a little longer to get put into place and then, you know, well managed and have good visibility? And have you worked out where you're going to own it in your organization, right? If it's all one contract, is it owned by the CIO, the head of business, maybe the SAP Center of Excellence? Uh, there's maybe there's a director there or some type uh, or a VP. Um, that's one of those fundamental questions. Hmm. MJ, 
Final yeah, thoughts? I, I think uh, I really like the term that Jim used, um, half-baked. And, and I'm going to put a, a positive spin on this, similar to what Jim said, right? Um, this is a very robust product solution by SAP. It's not a single piece of software. It's not something that is clearly defined. There's a lot of components that include service and infrastructure and um, application and and business tools and, and even road mapping um, services. So there's a lot of components to it and it's really complex. So it's going to behoove the customer to dig in and ask those questions and also ask questions to yourself to understand where your organization needs to get what you're trying to accomplish. Because this is not just going to be a final replace from ECC to the next platform. This is going to be a lot more complicated and it needs a lot more attention and a lot more thought. Yeah. I mean, you know, the my final thought, the only thing that is uh, constant is change, right? And we're seeing that companies have to evolve. You know, companies like American Digital have to evolve. And, but to me, you know, we're going to continue through this process of change as the IT and software landscape changes. We're just going to have to provide our customers the same level of service, if not better, you know, through that change, right? Regardless of what we have to, you know, the machinations in the background that we have to do to change our business to meet you know, our customers needs while, you know, these uh, um, ecosystem changes happen with with uh, companies like SAP. Uh, it's, you know, it's ever evolving. And, you know, it's exciting. We'll just have to see how things pan out with this new program. I know it's, you know, just been announced recently. So, you know, we look forward to seeing what it has to offer our clients and uh, to American Digital as an SAP partner. So thank you, gentlemen, appreciate your time you know, taking out of your day to sit down with me and talk. Now go back and sell something. Okay, (laughs) please. Jeez. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you for joining American Digital today. And we look forward to a future podcast where we'll be talking about cloud and the pressure on CIOs today around moving to the cloud. Is it the right move? and the implications of that move. So look for that and other podcasts from the American Digital team in the future. Thank you.